Welcome to the Improv in Practice podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Wilson, bringing you interviews, inspiration, and information on improvised theater with Synergy Theater. You can find Synergy Theater's classes, workshops, performances, and more at synergytheater.com. That's S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y theater.com. Okay, lights down, curtain up. Hey there, it's Sarah, and this is episode five. I'm recording this on July 23rd, 2021. And if you haven't bought your tickets for Synergy Theater's in-person shows at the Lesher coming up in October, I don't know what you're waiting for. Maybe you just needed a reminder. Okay, this is your reminder. Head on over to SynergyTheater.com and click on Performances. Subscriptions are available. I got mine. And if you need another prompt, you could ask yourself, what would your favorite hero do? But in today's episode, we're not talking about heroes. We're talking about villains. What is it about villains that we like so much? My first memorable exposure to a villain was the Wicked Witch in The Wizard of Oz and her army of flying monkeys. I still have flashbacks of the monkeys jumping on Scarecrow and pulling out his stuffing. And yet, when Dorothy defeated the Wicked Witch, what a world! Did I feel sorry for her? A little. Dorothy did land a house on her sister. But was it revenge? Or was it greed for the ruby slippers that motivated the Wicked Witch? You tell me. Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger brought a delicious quality to the Joker character and were much more watchable, in both cases, than their Dark Knight counterparts. We love villains because the best villains raise the prestige of our heroes. If the villain stands on a pinnacle of evil, we know that the heroine must meet them there, but do so after a more difficult path. How do we improvise a dynamic and effective villain? We invite our shadow side out for a play date, but keep it harnessed in service to the story? Easily said, right? And that's after we overcome the instinct to deny our guilt and plead our case when being painted as a villain in any scene. The truth is, every good story needs a villain. What I find interesting is that in varying stories, the status transfer between hero and villain is the same. The villain starts off high and ends low, while the hero starts low and ends high. These are the themes that Arastu Darakshan, Reggie Harris, and I have fun discussing. Arastu is a regular performer with Synergy Theater and also pursues acting, writing, and music. Arastu composed the theme music for this podcast. Thank you again, Arastu. Reggie uses what he learns in Synergy Theater classes, in his professional voiceover work, and his company Better Together, which offers coaching on how to use improv principles in on-the-job settings. We recorded this interview on May 17th, 2021. Let's get to it. You both are gorgeous. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> Thank you. Arastu, we'll start with you. Yeah. This is a question I've been dying to ask you. How did you find improv? <laughs> well, I found it back in 2012. Improv was not on my mind at all. I actually wanted to start by doing some very traditional acting. 
And I did that by, I signed up for something called SF Casting and I got a headshot taken and I just said, you know, this is something I've always wanted to do my entire life. I had done some minor theater stuff in school when I was younger. And I've always had this love of the craft of theater and just acting in films in general. So I said, you know, I'm 32 years old back in 2012. Why don't I just, uh, for fun, just see what would happen with this whole acting concept. And there were some opportunities in the Bay Area. So I signed up for this casting agency. And within the first week, I got a gig for a TV show called I Almost Got Away With It on Discovery Channel. It was a small little role. I've heard of that show. <laughs> yeah, I, had a, I, I did not hear about it when they told me about it. I just said, okay, whatever. And the casting director called me and she said, can you do an Italian accent? And I said, of course I can. Of course I couldn't. <laughs> but I lied. <laughs> and she said, okay, be at this location tomorrow at 7.30 a.m. on Treasure Island. So I immediately started Googling how to do an Italian accent. And I was like, well, whatever. We'll just figure it out. So I get there. And so there's a lot. There's a, this huge building with a bunch of different sets set up. And... Everyone, all the other actors, they had scripts and they were talking about blocking and all these technical terms. I had no idea. I'd never done anything. And so then I, and the director said, your scene is going to be improvised. And it was a solo scene. And I, mind you, I did nothing before. And so I did it haphazardly for, so they recorded me for about maybe 20 minutes or so doing various lines she set me up with various things and at the end final cut I was only in the scene for two lines which I was super proud of anyway then after that gig I did another gig and one of the cast uh, one of the excuse me one of the extras I was an extra in this other thing and we were just talking about acting in general and I told him yeah I'm interested in this stuff and he said what does your resume look like I said I have no resume I have no experience he said take an improv class that's just an easy way to get your foot in the door with acting and also meet other people, other actors, and you never know what can happen. And it's good to have something on your resume and having an improv class is why not? I said, okay. So I found Berkeley Improv and I literally just wanted to take one class a month quickly just to put something on my, on my resume, right? So the first day I went and we did it, it was a lot of fun. Then the second day I went, again, we were doing a lot of different exercises a wonderful group of people, wonderful instructor, Alex Lerman. And it was just a lot of fun. And I really liked it. Then I um, I was pulled aside. I'm not trying to gloat, but he asked me, could you please come? I have a private session with more advanced people. I would think you would fit well there. And I said, sure, that sounds interesting. I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. So what's funny is I was pretty confident in class. But when I went with the uh, advanced group, who've been together for years, that was an extreme shock for me. I became so self-conscious because everyone was so quick and on, on the point and they were so good. And I was just like a fish out of water. And to the point where I was so hesitant to even raise my hand to be in a scene where the instructor would have to sort of coax me like, hey, Yorosti, you're quiet there. Why don't you give this a shot? So slowly doing that, I started to become, in a sense, I don't want to say obsessed, but <laughs> very, very much 
enthralled in this craft. And I had my, and also before I even started it, I had no idea what improv really was. I mean, I sort of knew a little bit about whose line is anyway, but not even that much of a concept of it. So that's how I started with it back in 2012. So how did you get from Berkeley Improv to Synergy Theater? Great question. <laughs> with, uh, with Berkeley Improv, I was with them from, I mean, I'm still with Berkeley Improv, by the way. Then they, so they asked me to start teaching in 2016. So I was with them for four years. Then they asked me to be an instructor there. And through the instruction, I met was meeting a lot more people. And then that first group that I had started with, the instructor, he had to go on a little sabbatical. And then we were kind of floating around looking for a new focus for our new group here. We formed a group. And with this new group, and also just getting more people through my teaching gigs. And we have a little, nice little community there. One of the other instructors found Ken Adams. And Ken Adams is the director of Synergy Theater. But we had no, I had no idea who he was. They just invited him for a one-day session to give us some, his, his perspective, his tutelage in this craft. And Ken came. It was a lot of fun. But Ken kept a nice, strong relationship with one of the co owners of Berkeley Improv at the time. And so then Ken said, why don't we combine Synergy Theater with Berkeley Improv? And so we, we created a separate group called Black Box Improv Fusion. And we started to do little improv shows at a little location in Berkeley, which we called the Black Box. And it was a wonderful, beautiful little venue, had a little stage, and it was a step up from where I was performing before, which was at a middle school auditorium, which was a lot of fun still. I still love performing there. And so through Black Box and working with Ken, we were working with him for about a year. And he came to me and said to me, I want you to audition for Synergy Theater. And I had no idea what Synergy Theater was. And he told me they perform long form shows. And to be honest with you, I was not very familiar with long form, nor was I even interested in long form because my improv background started with short form, fun games and that kind of stuff, scene work. I hesitantly said yes to him because he asked me a few times. And even the concept of auditioning, I was like auditioning for an improv uh, gig. That doesn't, I never even heard that was done. Usually we would just ask people to join. It was friends developing their own group. So I said, okay, so I auditioned for them. And I got in. <laughs> so that's how that started. Back in That was back in 2017. So what was that moment when it clicked for you and you thought, oh, yes, this is what I want to do, this being improvised theater? The very first time I set foot in the leisure, we had a very specific show we were working on. And each, each show we do is a very specific format and theme. So for the first one, everyone was super nice, but I could also sense that a lot of people were very advanced, very experienced. Some people, not only Ken, who's been doing improv for, I don't know how many, 30 plus years, but we have other people who have had theater degrees and theater backgrounds, and they've been doing improv for 20 years. And here's me, I only had five years, right? Um, and so that was very intimidating at first, but they were so welcoming and kind. But before we got to the lecture, we were just rehearsing and I kind of was like, okay, this is, this is fun, this is cool. When we got to the lecture and I actually saw what we were working towards, which I had no idea, that's when it hit me like, what did I get myself into? Did I buy more than I could chew in a sense? Because it was this beautiful 
theater. Again, I was in little school auditoriums and now we're at a legitimate, gorgeous theater. And there's, we have a whole backstage area with dressing rooms. Those a full on theater company. So I just, I was completely taken by the whole mystique and world of theater. And that's when I knew that, oh man, this is going to be for the long haul. Reggie, what do you think about his origin story? I've known Arastu for a while and I am totally fascinated because I have seen him perform and he is awesome. And uh, just to hear him recount his humble beginnings like I don't know what I was doing I just to hear him just say it like that like so very like offhandedly like that was a fact in his life at one time is really frankly it's like it's not surprising but it's shocking if that makes sense what do you think it is about his presence or his personality that just made him so so you know good so fast anyone who knows Arastu knows that a you know he's a really nice guy and he's a very su supportive person. And those are two big ingredients when it comes to improv, right? He's always willing to learn and to improve. I don't think he gets easily daunted. I haven't really seen a lot of that in him. I think those are very important ingredients for him. And then also, Rastu, I think, has a unique ability to be able to sound like he knows what he's talking about even when he doesn't, and I mean that <laughs> with the utmost respect, he has a very authoritative presence. And it's really helpful in improv to be able to come into a scene um, and be like, yep, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, sure, you, I've been endowed as an astrophysicist, rocket scientist, and I know what I'm saying. With an Italian accent. With an Italian accent, right. <laughs> well, there's a saying in improv, you know, thank you very much, Reggie, for all those kind words. I'm very humbled by them. There's a saying in improv, if you do something with conviction, that the audience will buy it. So, Orasio, I agree totally with Reggie, especially what he's saying about when part of your personality is to support others and to be generous and um, willing to be present. Those are integral skills in improvised theater. Can you build on that? Oh, those are the foundations of improvised theater because, of course, we're improvising. There's nothing pre-written. And it's helped me with not only listening on stage, but off stage. I've noticed that even in my own world, in my work or interacting with friends or family, I've, I'm listening better. I've noticed that. That's been a quality that I've taken from the stage. And as far as listening on stage and being supportive, the story can't move if the people that we're working with are not supportive or listening. Then it will become a, a haphazard mess. And again, it's inevitable that things are missed. It's not because necessarily that people don't listen, but that is the crucial aspect of it. Because if I miss an offer, then it's hard to build on that. Offers can get blocked. But more than just listening to what is being said, we also are very mindful of how things are said and what is the body language like? How are, how, what's the affect of their emotional state? And to even go one step even beyond that, especially working with Synergy Theater, I feel that, or any group, if there's a group of people working together long enough, they can also, in a sense, listen to what is the underlying moral of the story. What is the What's the reason for this tale? What is it trying to say more than just 
character A and character B are trying to achieve this one thing, but what does that one thing mean as a metaphor? And that's when it starts to become much more nuanced and very impressive when those all those elements come together. And listening is goes deeper than just hearing the words. It's hearing what does the story need. Can you take us back to that moment when you had just completed your first show in the Lesher? Sure. Yeah. And you were backstage with the cast. Can you take yeah. us back to that moment and what you were thinking and feeling? I'll take you to two moments. The first moment was right before I've ever set foot on a stage like the Lesher. My heart was pounding out of my chest. I thought, oh my God, am I, am I going to be able to do this? Because I was just so nervous. After the show was done, it was like a high for me. And I was, I wanted to just go outside and just run around because it was such an achievement and getting the audience reaction. It's finding a new love. Imagine you found something that you never would have expected and you fall in love. That's what it felt like for me. Now, there's been an evolution to your journey. So how do you feel about where you would like to see it going in the future, both your personal evolution and then also Synergy Theater? Great question. Thank you. So my own evolution, I see it hopefully going towards not only more shows with Synergy Theater, but also I have ideas I want to experiment with improvised filmed skits or perhaps coming up with a simple show idea where we just give some basic structure to it and we actually improvise on camera or, in, or even improvised <clears throat> three-person shows where we might get one, one, only one suggestion from the audience and just go from there fully, fully improvised with no backbone to it. But then there's the reverse side of that where I want to experiment with different structures that I've yet to come up with, but I really want to find different people outside of Synergy Theater that are willing to experiment. And, you know, most likely 90% of it will not do well, but I, I want to see what other avenues can this craft morph into. And as far as Synergy Theater goes, first of all, I'm just excited to hopefully get back to the leisure after we you know, this pandemic runs its course, hopefully sooner than later. But one wonderful thing that this pandemic has allowed us to do is opened up other cast members to come up with their own show ideas. And we've, instead of just having uh, Ken direct shows, and Ken has always been open to this from the beginning, but people were always hesitant to do this. But through being on Zoom all the time, other people have had the courage to step up and to direct their own shows. And I would love to see Synergy evolve towards going back in person with other cast members coming up with their own show ideas as well. And maybe I would too one day. So we'll see how that plays out. What do you think, Reggie? The more Synergy theater, the better, I say. Yes. Thank you. And I have personally definitely enjoyed the free online shows over the past year has just been awesome. And uh, I, I also am really looking forward to sitting in the theater. Again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. Yeah. One of the things I like about the choices that you make are the character choices. Arastu. Mm. How Thank do you. you, how do you make those character choices? <laughs> <laughs> um, there are a few, I mean, 
one thing that we kind of talk about in improv, you know, try to find a few characters you can do well and you could morph them into different ways, right? Um, so 90% of the time, I don't have any character choice. I make my choices right then what the show requires or what I think the show could help with, right? Benefit from. And that again, goes back to the concept of listening and what is the story, what has been established and what does the story need to raise the stakes, right? So that's usually how I try to come up with something which is really based on feeding off of what is, what is being established already. So I really lean on the other performers for that choice, actually. What is this person playing? What is that person playing? And also with synergies specifically, a lot of our shows are very genre focused. So when we do a Shakespeare show or if we do a Sherlock Holmes show or a film noir show, there are, there are already sort of character tropes built into them. And I kind of maybe want to pick one that I feel that I could do more than the other. Do you find that you're, you lean more toward one type of character than others? Yes. Okay. What? Well, I, I love playing villainous characters. And I also like playing simple idiot characters. That <laughs> and, and it's really fun for me when I combine the two, like a, like a super villain, but he's kind of stupid or like very um, ignorant. So I, I love playing that kind of stuff. And to me, that's very humorous in general. So like your role in Adventure Serial. Yeah, exactly. When I was playing the villain Zinn, it was a lot of fun. Okay, I love making these quick asides. So Adventure Serial is written and directed by Griffin Davis Beer of Synergy Theater, and Alev Ganey, also of Synergy Theater, plays the heroine Joan Holiday. In our next episode, I talk to Alev and Griffin all about Adventure Serial. Here's a clip of Arastu as Zinn. The world will be at my whim, begging to get my feet for mercy. And will I give it to them? No. I remember the day that John Holiday, we were in grade school together. I made an amazing diorama for science fair, but she got first place. She has always been one step ahead of me. But now this, this will be my chance to get revenge, to show her that no, I am the number one. I am the one who rules everything. We will attach the eclipse to a balloon and it will rise. And only there will I live and rule the world <laughs> and all the foliage and people will rot away, begging, kneeling. What do you like about that character? Well, that he wasn't just this mustache twirling <laughs> villain, you know, he actually had a deeper motive and he was had a crush on the protagonist and but she rejected him and because of her rejection of him, he felt that he had to become more this grandiose person to get revenge from the pain that he felt and stuff like that. And but he was kind of stupid and <laughs> I liked all the, all those kind of aspects of him. The, the villain, he did have a mustache twirling quality about him, but also he was a human, not just uh, an evil guy all the time. When you're thinking about characters to play, do you pull from favorite characters from when you were a kid? Maybe subconsciously, but not consciously, I would say. Can't think of a favorite villain that might have been a bit of an idiot <laughs> in a story that you liked growing up? Um, huh. I want to say Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, but that's, he wasn't so much of an idiot, though. That's, that's the only one that comes to mind. That's a good one. What about you, Reggie? Can you think of one? 
You know, as Arastu was talking about his character process, I feel like I'm very similar in that I think I look in, for myself at least, I look inside. If I'm thinking of a villain, I think of a villain's motive, why they are trying to do the thing that they are doing. And then like from that comes the kind of person that would want that thing. I'm this criminal who I'm out to rob a bank. But then maybe underneath that, I'm robbing a bank because my sister is sick and I need the money to pay for the medical bills. I, I especially love playing ca characters that on the surface, they seem one way, but the, their motives make them more human. But getting back to your original question about like, you know, villains from my childhood, I'd say I had a lot of real life villains. I was bullied a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> Imagine that. A person who's interested in the arts being bullied as a kid. Um, yeah. So I think I have a lot to draw on <laughs> from that. Do you think the past year, everything everyone has been through, do you think that's going to affect, or I should say, how is that going to affect? performing arts, in your opinions? Aras, do you first. Well, I think once we are comfortable being back in a theater, it will, I, I'm hoping anyway, I, that it'll be an explosion of interest that people want to see more live performances, a new renaissance as it will, maybe new concepts. People wanted to take more risks with their performance or with their show concepts. I definitely want to do some improv shows where there's no humor at all. It just, it's all a, a, a tragedy, a dramatic tragedy. That's something that I always wanted to experiment with. So I think we'll see more experimentation and more willingness to take risks. What about you, Reggie? I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we bounce back quickly. I do have concerns about just the sort of the business realities of the performing arts. So in order to pay all for the expenses, you need the income. And so this, this question is like how much demand at the outset and even then paying for a venue, right? Like paying for sets and costumes and all that stuff that requires money. And so if you didn't have a show recently in order to, to pay for all the stuff moving forward, it's hard for me to see, like, I think it'll just take time. I'm keeping my fingers crossed, but uh, I think that the best that I can do is support and make the arts as available as possible, whether it be through performing or attending shows of my colleagues, whether it be teaching, getting more new people interested in the arts. Again, I think it'll take some time and my, my hope is that I'm wrong. Arastu, you have performed or improvised with Reggie before, right? Yes, yes. Is there a certain type of character that you enjoy seeing Reggie fulfill? Reggie has a great range of characters. There's not one particular character that stands out for me that Reggie has done because he's also an extremely supportive character. Reggie listens very well. And that's an interesting question. Um, I, I like I, everything you've done, Reggie. It's easy to play with you. Yeah, the challenge is that I tend not to repeat characters very often. I, I think I do this thing where I notice, oh, this might be something that I've done before and I try to do something different. Mm. So I, I think that that might be where some of that hesitation is coming from. But 
I certainly have some characters that I've really enjoyed playing. I hope to play with you more, Reggie, to, to see all the other ones you have. I've actually been thinking about this a lot lately. I think about it a lot in general, but especially lately as I have been uh, fantasizing about performing more and more in person, um, I tend to gravitate towards low status, neurotic characters that are full of anxiety and are constantly apologizing for themselves. Okay, um, Reggie, I was going to say, you play the character that's falling apart. You play so well. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> Thanks. I, I have to say that there's something about that kind of character which feels very familiar to me. It's a way that I feel like I can't actually present in life very often, but I feel like it's there, like very near the surface. And so when in a scene I'm on stage, it's like, oh, okay, this is my opportunity to, to let that person out. And- That person it, is so tangible and so real. I've seen you do it a couple of times and it's a character that's all fleshed out. So it's like, I can, I know this character had the perfect life and all their ducks in a row in the morning was on top of the world and then boom, and their implosion is epic. And I yeah. just, I love to see you do it. Oh, thanks, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Sarah. It's fun. Yeah. Um, so Reggie, how did you find improv? Oh, okay. Hmm, where should I start? I'll start at college. I remember seeing my first improv group in college. It was a college student group. And it was my freshman year. And I was a computer science major at the time. And so most of my career has actually been in tech. I remember seeing them and thinking, this is so much fun to watch. And they look like they're having so much fun doing this. And this is totally unattainable by me. I cannot achieve this. I can never be these people. So sad. It's so painful. Now it's getting painful for me to watch because this is the thing that I think I would love doing, but I can't do it. I don't know where that voice came from, but it, it clearly did not just arise in that moment. It had been, probably been following me for you know, a long time, perhaps since my childhood. Like, oh, there are things in life that you can achieve and attain and things that you can't. And that felt like a thing I couldn't. I never saw it around me growing up. I didn't really have a lot of exposure to the arts when I was younger. I would have dreams of performing and, and just playing, really just playing but they were unrealized until much later. Okay, so fast forward like 15 or plus years, I'm in tech and, you know, frankly, I'm feeling really unfulfilled. There's, whether it's the culture of the company or the work that I'm doing or the manufactured crises that happen on a daily basis, I was just feeling, I got to a point where I was just feeling really empty. And so I started exploring and I explored all sorts of different things. I'm officially a certified massage therapist. I've gone through the training, done the exams. You know, I was searching for myself and then I came across voiceover. And that's something I had been thinking about for a long time. That's something I do now. You obviously and... have a fantastic voice. <laughs> oh, thanks. Agreed. Thanks, thanks. But one of the things you learn very soon in voiceover is that most people who get into voiceover are those people who are told they have a very nice voice. 
and you are disabused of the notion quite quickly that having a good voice is good enough to be a voiceover actor because voiceover acting is acting. And so as I'm going through my training, I am told over and over, hey, if you really want to be a good voiceover actor, you need to learn improv. You need to, you need to do improv for a variety of reasons. So one of them is that if you are doing like, let's say you're doing animation stuff, you're doing animation uh, voiceover, you need to develop characters, right? And that's a great place to develop characters and improv. Even if you're not doing animation, let's say you're doing narration or you're doing like commercials. When you are in a session with a client and the client is asking you to read that line a different way, do a different read. They're not asking you to do it like, oh, I want you to raise your tone or be louder. They want you to sound like you are in a different situation, talking to a different person with whom you have a different relationship. You have to be aware of your intention when you're speaking. You have to be aware of this relationship you're having with a listener. And these are all things that you do in improv and you have to do very quickly. And so I started taking classes here and there and at Berkeley Rep. And I was there for a few years. And I just got to a place where I felt like, you know what? I am ready for new challenges and I'm ready to grow uh, creatively in new ways. And I, I guess I, you could say I was looking for a different home at the time. And I, I enjoyed my time there, but I was just looking for something new. A really good friend of mine, Mallory Penny, who was also involved with Synergy Theater, was like, oh, hey, you know, I have this friend, Lisa Safran, who is also involved with Synergy Theater, who is recommending that we check it out. And we're like, okay, let's see, let's just check it out. And so I remember going to the, my first class there. And I think, Arastu, you were there. I think you were in the very first class that I did at Synergy Theater. And there are a bunch of other folks there too. And I remember feeling so impressed by the people that I was playing with. Like, wow, these people are not only quick, sharp, intelligent, but they're also good at telling stories they would do scenes where I felt drawn to find out what's going to happen next. What's going to happen next? I felt invested in the stories. Even if I was just like kind of watching on the side, watching these other people perform. And I also, similar to Rasta, I felt very nervous. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to play with these people. And <laughs> they're so great. And look at me. And I remember being in these scenes with folks and everyone was so friendly and so supportive. I remember that first class, there were times where I, I was feeling like I feel stuck. And like, there's this, <laughs> I felt this synergy <laughs> uh, between me and the other players. And they could see like, oh, Reggie needs some help right now. Let me go in and help him and support him in the best way. And I felt so great after that. I felt like after coming out of that first class, I felt like, ooh, I felt like I was really stretched creatively. And I also felt like very supported, like, ooh, I'm in a warm cocoon. I'd say being with Synergy, I'd grown in ways faster than in the past in certain ways. I hadn't had a lot of experience with long form plays. 
actually no experience with long form plays. Never something where it's like, okay, you've got a continuous play running for 90 minutes. After my first class, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm hooked. You know, like the, the craft itself, doing long form plays and the people, and of course the tutelage, as we all know, Ken is, he is very um, insightful and he's very incisive. He's right to the point. He'll uncover things that for me, at least, like I wasn't aware of, but he'll also point to things where I know it's there, but I don't know how to describe it. I, here's an example. I was in a scene and my scene partner was trying to endow me as sort of the villain of the scene. And in ways that I felt like were unconscious to me, I was blocking that person like, no, no, I'm just trying to do my best here. And then Ken was like, oh, you know what, Reggie, you know, sometimes you have to be the villain. <laughs> like, oh, you're right. Sometimes you need to be the villain. Okay. All right. Because I just as a person in my personal life, I abhor being the villain. Reggie, one of my first impressions of you is, was when we were in person class together in the rehearsal room and I'm sitting and we're waiting for, Ken says, we're waiting for one more person. And I look to the side, to the door, and I see this stormtrooper that has just disembarked from some sort of one wheeled contraption. Yeah. My electric unicycle. Yeah. Which looks incredibly dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, and you, so you roll into the room and immediately I was like, I cannot wait to do a scene with this guy. <laughs> yes. I also remember that awesome motorized unicycle. Uh, yeah. Do you still have it Reggie? I still have it and it's still dangerous. I um, worry about you. I like, I, I think you need more padding. I actually have gotten more padding because I did fall and I hurt myself, not like unseriously. I mean, no lasting damage. But yeah, I ended up like now I must be, you know, one foot deep in padding when I go out these days. <laughs> but in obviously in an improv scene, you have to get comfortable with the idea that you're going to be a villain sometimes. I have to say that since then, every time I find an opportunity to be a villain, I really go in it head first, even though for me, naturally, it's uncomfortable. But I feel like it's an opportunity for me to grow. I think that natural discomfort comes from our hyper awareness of status. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, but a villain, I think you both know, can be low status and is usually seen as low status, but can also be high status. Some of the most entertaining scenes we've all taken part in or witnessed is when there's a status transfer. Absolutely. So. Well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. No, go ahead, please. There are some, the archetype of a villain is something that also interests me. Again, I I mean, I relate to Reggie. My own personal life, I abhor villainous personalities, right? But in a story, um, if you're like a hero and the villain and every other character, that to me, if it's a story that's told well, each each person, either be the hero, the, the other characters and the villain, they represent different parts. I don't want to sound pretentious, but they do a good story. They'll represent different parts of 
the human psyche in, in all of us in a sense, right? Of course, they're grossly exaggerated, but a good story has, each person is an archetype, a representation of a human quality. And that's other things that I just really have learned to appreciate through the art of improvisation as well. So I have a game. You guys interested? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So it's, uh, it's called the King game and maybe you've heard it before uh, or played it before. It's all about status transfer. So here's the premise. One of you is going to play uh, a high status position. So for it's called the King game because one person can play a King and the other person um, begins the scene as a low status in comparison character. So the King is in his throne room we can imagine that this king is an old warrior who has seen it all and done it all and saved his kingdom. And he is definitely aware of his high status. In comes an attendant. It could be someone who is there to cut the king's hair. And the attendant is very low status to the, to the king and very aware of his high status and then their own low status and approaches the king and explains to the king in that low status manner what they're there to do. Then as the, the attendant is doing what they're there to do, the attendant notices something about the king that immediately knocks him off of his high pedestal. So in the case of the attendant who's there to cut the king's hair, the attendant might notice lice in the king's hair. The point of the game or the scene is that there should be a complete status transfer by the end of the scene so that the attendant is the high status and the king is the low status. The king is so embarrassed and then exits the scene as the low status person. It doesn't have to be king and attendant, but it makes it pretty easy. What are, uh -huh. you, what are you guys thinking? It could be, they could be different roles. It could be hero and villain, and you could switch status that way. What do you guys think? I'm down for anything. It could even be like CEO. And yes. I was just thinking the same thing. Okay, perfect. And yeah. intern, right? I, I knew you guys would be all over this. So you guys want to do CEO and, in, intern. and intern. Okay. Yeah. And then which one of you wants to do high, start out high, and which one would you want to start out low? And then you will, by the end of the scene, you will switch. Reggie, I'll leave it up to you. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, let's start low. I'll start low. Okay. okay. Reggie, low to high, and Arastu, high to low. Hi, hello. Got it. Okay. And um, just so you know, I knew you were going to pick that, the two of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I just knew. Okay. So about five minutes, and then sure. just find a way to wrap. And I am home. Let me scooch in. Okay. Sarah, can I ask you for a suggestion of what kind of company do I run? First thing that came to my head was um, world's best peanut butter company. Perfect. Thank you. World's best peanut butter. Perfect. Uh, hey, come, come in, Jeffrey. Oh, oh, yes. Yes. Mr. Williams. Hi. Um, I, I have brought your, uh, uh, your end of year financial reports as you requested. Jeffrey, do you know why I had this position in this company? Uh, no. Some may say that I inherited from my father and his father before him. Some may say that I weaseled my way through my siblings to get to this position. Some may even say that I've 
killed for this job. But I say guts, Jeffrey. It took a lot of guts and brains and know-how to work my way through up the corporate ladder, even though I didn't inherit this. But damn it, Jeffrey, I will be damned if anyone else takes this from me because no one else could do it as best as I can. And these reports that you give me, Jeffrey, these are the backbone to what we're doing. And that's why I could see it in you, kid, that potentially one day you can go from being an intern to a mailboy. Oh, no, no, Mr. Williams. I, I, I wouldn't ever dare dream. I, I just started here two days ago and I, you've been at the top of the business world for many years now. And I could only dream to be maybe a male boy's assistant. Um, but I am so happy right now to be able to deliver these papers to you. Uh, I, I did notice one thing though. Um, right here on uh, uh, page two, it says that um, your profit for Q2 of this year was about 50% less than <clears throat> last year. And I was just, just wanted to point this out. I don't know if you noticed it or not. I, I just, uh, well, 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 Jeffrey, uh, you know, as, as you know, the, the, the markets, they, they tend to fluctuate, you know, up and down, left and right, forward and back. No, oh, yes, of course, of course, yes. I, I didn't mean to say uh, that. I didn't mean to question your abilities at all. I just wanted to point this out. It's just a very simple thing. And I thought, you know, maybe I, I have an idea. Well, um, Jeffrey, if I may. Uh, Yes. This is not something that I'm very proud of, and I want to keep this between you and you and myself. And Jeffrey, I must say that I'm uh, a little impressed that you even took the time to notice that. Is that uh, obvious? It's uh, it's pretty obvious. Um, you know, I, I, I did learn this um, second semester of my first year of uh, accounting school. Um, accounting and, school? Yes. You're educated. Uh, yes. Uh, 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 sir, are you saying that you've never been to... Accounting school? Jeffrey, I'm going to tell you, you, you seem like someone I can trust. I've never been to accounting school. I inherited this position and other means. And I admit that I am not as versed in accounting as you are. Oh, well, that's that's okay, sir. I mean, you're great at a whole lot of other things. Um, uh, for instance, your employees, your employees love you. They adore they, you. Really? Uh, well, what are they well, saying, Bobby uh, Jeffrey? What are they saying? Well, well, they usually do. Although in the break room the other day, I did notice that there might be uh, unionization. Unionization, Jeffrey, that's going to yeah. sink me. My, my father and my mother will disown me because of this, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, you got to help me. Uh, oh, okay, sir, 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 sir. Listen, listen, listen. I think that the first thing you need to do yeah. is make sure that your employees are paid an appropriate wage. It's only obvious. If you look here in your reports, you actually have a lot of cash on hand. Really? And I, you do. I'm, I have to tell you, it's really strange that you Jeffrey, didn't pick up on this before. Uh, Jeffrey, maybe you could, uh, we could have you skip the mailroom and come be my assistant. <laughs> Perhaps even you could even be CEO. <laughs> well, listen here. I was actually looking to perhaps be on the board first before I took on an executive role such as that. But here's the, here's the deal, here's the deal. This company, as I've read through this report, is actually going under. Oh my God, Jeffrey, I know. Jeffrey, yeah. I need help. I'm not cut off for this. 
I can't, I can't do this. It's all a lie. Okay, listen, sir, this internship, it's been great and all, but I got to tell you something here. I, I plan on going places and frankly, this company and you are going to be the dust that I leave behind me. So I'd appreciate it if, uh, excuse me, could you just get off my knee? Stop holding my knees, please. Okay. Sorry, Jeffrey. Yes, well, right, thank you, thank you. Thank Jeffrey, you. as long as you just do the best you can, I know you'll be successful. Now, if you'd excuse me, I must go to the party. Uh, yeah, you're probably gonna need to clean that pee off the floor behind you, yeah. Don't tell anyone, Jeffrey. Okay. Goodbye. Uh, oh my gosh, you guys, that was so fun. How'd that feel? <laughs> It felt fun. Thanks. Oh my gosh. That was yeah, excellent. Was I feel like you've both been in that room before. <laughs> well, <laughs> my lips are sealed. Okay. Thank you guys so much again. If Thank you, you, Sarah. If you would like, go ahead and say in whatever means someone can contact you at, if you have a website or if there's anything else that you'd like to talk about. Oh, yeah, sure. So I myself have an improv-based company, not teaching improv, but using improv philosophies, skills, methodologies to help groups of people work better together. We also run online events. You can visit our website at www.bettertogetherlabs.com, bettertogetherlabs.com. And Arastu. Thank you. Uh, I teach at Berkeley Improv. You can go to berkeleyimprov.com. And I also perform and occasionally teach with Synergy Theater. And if you want to get in touch with me, you could go through Berkeley Improv and, and ask them to get in touch with me. Or you could check out my Instagram page. It's Arastu underscore Dirakshan. I have one more thing. I would be remiss if I didn't put in a plug. I'm also on the faculty of Leela Improv Theater and Training Center in San Francisco. You can find them at leela-sf.com. Oh, I love that. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about? I just want to tell people that you know, improv is wonderful and it's so much more than I had imagined. If anyone was hesitant to try it, just jump in and I promise you it'll be more than you probably have imagined yourself. Yeah. And what I would say is there is so much to improv that is not only fun and exciting, but also attainable. You can do it, even though you think you may not, you can. And it's like any other skill, you get better with practice. And it's going to unlock so much for you, both in terms of your creativity, but also like on your path to self-discovery. So do it. Oh, I absolutely agree. Well put, Reggie. And uh, I can't wait to see creatively where the two of you go in the future. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, okay. Reggie. Yes. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. And that's our show. If you think improv sounds like fun, it is. If you think you'd like to try improv, it's easy. Just go to SynergyTheater.com and click on School of Improv. Synergy Theater offers beginner, advanced, and master classes. Synergy Theater is also on Facebook. Please rate, review, and follow this podcast. Your support makes a difference. Synergy Theater is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit that depends on the participation of current and future star supporters and improvisers like you. Thank you.